In a world oversaturated by sexual media, from Game of Thrones, Sex Position, 50 Cent, and 50 Shades of Grey, comes a podcast episode that's not afraid to bust the lid open when it comes to talking hot topics like sex. This episode is not here to answer your most commonly requested queries on Google. Where do I buy orange-flavored condoms? Where is the clitoris? How do I delete my browsing history? Best pickup lines. How do I orgasm? What does herpes look like? So strap in. Get yourself a box of tissues because you're about to your genes coming to your cochlea right now we would like to remind all our viewers that today's episode is not sponsored by Pornhub perfect what now what now indeed welcome back to our sixth episode guys we're so happy to have you here again and today we are talking about S-E-X. Indeed, we are talking about the good old sex. And before we get it straight into that hot topic, my name is Ken. And my name is Alyssa. And on our show, as you guys should know, if you're regular listeners, we talk about the problems and issues that school never prepared us for and how we go about dealing with them. And normally we talk to people of our generation between the ages of 20 up to about, say, 35. But really, we are breaking barriers today in terms of our audience. We are going to be broadening this out to everyone because we really want people to enjoy their sex lives and it's not limited just to our generation. Absolutely. And while we do like to joke around and have fun on our episodes, we understand that this is a particularly sensitive topic as we do touch upon some issues like rape and the verbiage around that. We obviously do not intend to offend is our sole purpose on today's episode to be respectful but also offer uh, our own ideas into this matter too. And we thought it would be, would be great to have another female for some input to discuss these issues in particular. We'll talk more about our guest speaker in a minute as well. But in regards to our experiences with the good old SEX, I don't know about you, but most of my experiences through it did not come through school. It was maybe one day of sex ed and Pornhub. <laughs> and there is a big problem in our generation with that because I think, yeah, Pornhub is literally a teacher for some people because they're not taught about it in school. And this can really lead to some unwanted advances that some males or females might offer or ask or want it is quite concerning sometimes, but that's that's what we really have have had to to teach us essentially the different experiences or the way of how to have sex and what sex should look like and how sex should feel and how many people are involved and even more added to that matter. And in this episode, we are not here to talk about our own sexual experiences. No. So don't expect, <laughs> don't expect us to tell you uh, all the four one one on our on our sex lives. Um, <laughs> so we are more here to just explain not only about the different ways that our education system can be improved, especially teaching some of our younger generation as well about the the risks involved and the consequences, but also the enjoyment and and how many believe that sex has been ruined by hookup culture and instant gratification 
And there are days where, you know, some people don't want to put in the hard work of getting to know a person before having sex. So to all our listeners, think about all the people you have had sex with. I will bet you that the people that you actually cared for, respected, actually liked as a person, those people that you actually respected and probably liked as a person are, the, are probably the people that you had the best sex with. You agree, Ken? No, I agree with you, Alyssa. I think that from my own experience and understanding, if you really care for someone and they care back for you, it's so much better. There was this great TED talk that we listened to for our research into this episode, which was titled, the best sex you ever have is not learned through technique, it's learned through feeling. And I really do believe that because for people to really enjoy themselves with another partner, they have to get to know them and to really feel appreciation for one another. Because without that, it's just empty, it's hollow, and it's not fun. And that is literally the only advice we will give you guys on sex today, <laughs> that is it. No more techniques, no more discussion on how to orgasm. We are going forward <laughs> our plan to tell you about why we believe that sex is worthy of education. We've decided to bring on board another one of our friends to talk about this topic because this is something that is meant for people of our generation and the best way to speak about our generation is to have another one of our generation talk about this from her perspective. So here we now have the lovely Christina. Hi. <laughs> I don't think we were doing this straight away. Sorry, team. <laughs> all good, all good. Welcome to the show. How do you feel now that you've broken your podcast <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't even deal. Sorry. <laughs> Can I just well, my name is Christina, and I'm 27. And obviously, I'm very good friends with Ken and Alyssa. And I'm very grateful for you guys to ask me to join you because I think it's important to talk about sex and talk about what we've learned, our backgrounds and our education on the topic, and also what we've learned in hindsight and what we wish we have been taught. I think for a lot of us too, we didn't have the benefit of learning to guide us through this. We learned from our peers, we had mixed bits of information from parents and education, and for what it's worth, I think that this is really a good conversation for us to have to try and benefit everyone around us too. And I think one of the things that I'd like to kick off with is the type of education that we were taught in school as we were brought up. So, mm. you know, um, like they're off. Yeah. And, and the conversations that usually happen around sex with men and, and women, but also when we're growing up in school, you know, we had our health classes, our PE classes that showed us some confusing cartoon or some diagrams of some, you know, the reproductive systems. Maybe we put a condom on a plastic banana. But for me, that was really the basis of what I remember of sex education in school. I feel like the, the age of kids having sex is getting younger and younger. Mm. And schools need to, and parents too, not try and avoid the subject or not try and avoid the topic in the hopes that their kids aren't having sex, but yeah. really, really just make it an open space to discuss it, even if their kid isn't having sex, just to prepare them for, you know, some of the consequences that can arise and what we really need to be taught when we're younger, because there's a lot that can be improved. I agree. Absolutely. I think that you're very right, Alyssa, in that sometimes it, it's, not, it's not just about 
education at school, but it's also important that parents are um, included in the education on the topic because a lot of the time it can be just simply don't have sex. Or you will get pregnant and die. Which is not going to help anyone because you can't be naive about it. Mm. People are people are going to have sex. So it's important to tell them that it's one day eventually going to happen and let them know about consequences and let them know about protection and all sorts of things that go along with the topic. But not just to say, don't do it, because that doesn't help anyone. I agree. I think it's also incredibly reductive of schools to make it out as if it's just reproduction, because it's very pleasurable. We do it because we want to chill out, because we want to enjoy a good time with a partner and eventually form, you know, a good relationship with someone too, if that's what you want. Yeah, totally. And sex is part of that. It's how you get to know someone too, at least on a very physical side as well. And there is a bit of a game quality to this too, in the sense that there are rules to the way this works. And to not teach those rules has very dire consequences for our health and mental well-being as well. And I think that at school, particularly in a male school, which is where I went to, we weren't taught about the consequences of sexual assault. We weren't given a proper education on the feelings that girls have when a man approaches them and asks them for sex. These are things that really needed to be educated to us better so we could engage in a more meaningful dialogue because reality is that we didn't know how to even approach the subject. Mm -hmm. I will say I was very fortunate actually to have a third party come to my primary school and from, I can't even remember, I don't think it was my high school to be honest, I think it was primary school, but it was very much so about reproduction and hormones and what happens to your body as you get older and and different things that you may feel and different changes you may see in your body and that sort of thing so it was more along those sorts of lines it was never about relationships or for fun um, which is understandable in primary school Um, but in high school it was just kind of like very very briefly touched on Mm. And not everyone gets that education. You know, I was fortunate that my primary school even brought on that third party. It's good that you weren't sick that day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, and then it comes down to, you know, in high school, people start having sex and they want to take that safety net of contraception and go on the pill. But then there's other girls that break out with acne and they have irregular periods and they have maybe it's, you know, really painful like period pains and and other things that they go to the doctors and the doctors are just essentially throwing out the pill like lollies and we're all taking taking the pill like lollies and popping lollies on a day-to-day basis for years without actually questioning, like without actually doing, doing our own research and thinking about the consequences that this pill does to our body mm. too. Health-wise, definitely. You know, we, we think that the pill is going to treat these problems, but it essentially acts as a Band-Aid or is acting to cover and ignore the problems that, you know, instead of fixing the root cause. So, you know, we're actually ignoring the signs that our bodies are out of whack, essentially. This is in regards to taking the pill purely for skin or polycystic ovary syndrome, period pain and other common struggles that women are facing, which is still concerning that the pill's increasing use is to treat issues like these without actually addressing the cause of the problems like food intolerances, high sugar levels, 
lack of sleep or stress, but that's a whole other topic I'd like to discuss in, in further detail down the road. So while the contraceptive pill is an extra safety net for unwanted pregnancies, it's convenient, it can help to regulate periods and decrease cramping as well as being used to change like even the timing and, and frequency of your periods or skipping a period altogether. I cannot stress enough the importance of actually doing research on the pill and the health risks that can seriously harm our bodies in the future. Because a lot of women only know about the short-term side effects like the migraines and the nausea and blood clotting, but there are actually a hundred million women worldwide who are using oral contraceptives, but are largely unaware of its many health risks because it is ultimately upsetting our natural hormone balance. So you've touched on some of the problems that arise from taking the pill. For us guys, we just put a condom on and it's as simple as that. We don't have any major repercussions for putting a bit of plastic on our dick. I'd always assume that it was as simple as just taking a pill. Why is it so problematic for you guys? There definitely are lots of different side effects to taking the pill. Some are um, more long-term, others are more serious than not so some simple ones that people definitely know about oh you know some girls say i don't want to take the pill because it makes me put on weight i don't want to look fat or other things can be it can as serious as blood clots actually according to the world health organization the pill is actually classified as a carcinogen which puts it in the same class as a toxin like tobacco and asbestos and contributes to nutrient deficiencies as well. So, you know, all of our vitamins, our, our folic acid in our gut, and it actually depletes these vitamins. So it's, you know, similar to what antibiotics does. And antibiotics, yes, it kills the bad bacteria, but it also kills the good bacteria. And that's also exactly what the, the pill is essentially doing too. There was also some research that I'd found from a health study that was done by the Women's Lifestyle and health in Sweden and Norway. And it showed the risk of breast cancer in women taking the contraceptive pill and its increased risk. So the percentage rose by 26% in women who used the pill but stopped taking it. It rose 58% in women still using the pill compared with women who never used it. And it rose 144% the risk in women aged 45 or over who were still actually using the pill. So, you know, that just, just the figures are quite startling, to be honest. I mean, I'm not a doctor, obviously. I'm not, you know, I'm not a health professional, but I just really would recommend, yeah, for all our, all our ladies that are listening, just do yourself a favor and, and have a look into some of the health concerns and whether you really, really should be taking the pill. Also on that, I think that a lot of the time people just assume that you're, as a female, that you are on the pill. It's on Very the true. If you're a female, you have sex, you're taking the pill. Well, yeah. actually, maybe not. <laughs> like there are other methods and other means of contraception, but you just cannot assume that a female is taking the pill. No. And then that, that also comes down to, yeah, having unsafe sex and the risk of not only sexually transmitted diseases and, and other types of things, but unwanted pregnancies or having to take the morning after pill. And with the morning after pill, that's also another type of pill that is going to affect the, the woman, the woman's health too. And 
it's something that a lot of males actually need to be educated on and need to be more aware about too, because within one year, a woman can only actually have one pregnancy, right? We can only physically hold one pregnancy within a year, but a male can go around and go and have, you know, go and actually create 500,000 pregnancies if he wants to. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. No, it's, yes, we, um, well, this is the thing in, based on my understanding of the way it works is that it's biological. Like that's just the way we work because hormonally we're driven to constantly reproduce because we're animals at the end of the day. That's just the way we're wired. And it comes down to a conflict of brain and what goes down here as to how you mitigate that as well. In a relationship, there are certainly times where you just may actually not want to have sex. And there has to be, yeah, uh, I guess a mutual understanding or mutual agreement, which is where conversation comes in once again, which is, you know, mm. yeah. brings me back to the number one. Communicate, most important communicate. Yes. So let's talk about that idea. What would you guys like in an ideal world for a conversation to go between a man and a woman? Well, you would want to ask them, when was the last time you were checked? When was the last time you went to the doctors and had yourself checked? I just want to make sure that you don't have any uh, nasty surprises for me, like <laughs> you know, later down the track. And also talk about whether or not you would tell them if you're on the pill or if you're not on the pill. So for example, like when, when men, are, they go to have sex with their partner and they ask if they can have sex without a condom. This can be an issue because one, you could create an unwanted pregnancy. There is a thing called pre-cum guys. The, the liquid at the end of your penis, is, <laughs> it, can, it can create babies. It can create babies. And I thought that was just water That's down. what it's for. I thought, that was, I thought that was just H2O. <laughs> Um, so when people think, you know, like, oh, I'll just stick it in for, you know, 10 seconds, it's like, well, actually, you know, you could be really unlucky and that could, you know, a little, a little shark could swim in and create a, so, and yeah. And, but obviously it, it, for the other way around too, there can be women that may want children. They could be like, oh yes, like he's going to, he doesn't want to use a condom. So I'm going to have a kid. Like, exactly. Like there certainly are women out there that they may think, oh, you know, I really want to have a child. Maybe they're not found a partner or whatever. And um, guys don't think about that part of it in that they may actually say that they are on the pill, but they're not. And next minute he's just put it in because it feels better and now he's got a kid on the way. <laughs> Little Timmy and Susie are coming nine months down the road. <laughs> Pre-packaged. 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 Oh, dear God. <laughs> Have a good night. Get a girl or a baby for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it, it happens. You know the problem with this is that horror stories aside, the fact of the matter is that a lot of people aren't thinking about the health and wellness of everyone else around them. The problem is that we don't think about the happiness of those around us and in doing so can really ruin and shape other people's lives in a way that affects them forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that even, you know, comes down as well back to like sexually transmitted diseases and and infections and that kind of thing too that a lot of people sort of forget about and assume that everyone is healthy or everyone has been checked. But some people, you know, go about having different sexual partners and may forget to get checked or don't get checked. Mm. And 
it's not put a lot of trust in that other person. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say too, that that's something within our community, within the gay community, it's particularly problematic because the dialogue around it is always, are you clean? And the obvious answer in that situation is yes, I am clean. I am HIV negative. But in saying that the connotation then is I'm not dirty. And to me, it becomes this battle of almost maintaining a hygiene standard during the act as well. But the problem is I've always had this belief that whilst the intentions are great in being able to create open dialogue about the health status between partners, I feel that times you are, as you said, putting a lot of faith and trust in your partner to do that. Mm. And whatever those good intentions may be in following through with that, you really have no way of knowing whether or not your partner has something that they may be carrying that could potentially impact your health. And there are cases of guys out there who do go around hurting other people because they just don't care about the people that they're with because they're just so keen on securing a good orgasm. Yeah, that's selfish. It is. And that's why this whole conversation needs to exist in a way where we start to think more about how we impact those around us, not just how we make ourselves feel good in the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think coming back to sort of the education side of it as well, in schools and and that kind of stuff as we're growing up, I think especially casual sex needs to be talked about and like the sex for enjoyment, like you were saying before, Ken, like about, you know, sex for sex for pleasure. You know, sex is not just about reproduction and creating a human being. It's people have sex for, for pleasure, right? I'd just like to cut in there by saying that we are overpopulated as it is. Think <laughs> before you contribute to that number. <laughs> But going on that topic, I, I want to throw the question to you guys. If you guys were in a position where you could change the high school education, when would you start teaching this topic to kids? What age do you think is appropriate to begin this education and how would you do it? I think, Alessi, as you mentioned before, these days, but I- 13, like 15, you're a kid. But these days, people at that age are having sex and they're not well educated about it. It's not talked about in in high school. I think maybe year seven, open up the dialogue, talk about it and talk about consequences and talk about consent and talk about protection, everything that goes along with that. But I don't think that it should just stay in year seven. I think that each year as you go along, I mean, it's generally taught in PE, which is, you know, so I think that it should be taught each year as you go along. I, I actually think, yeah, like the, the younger, the better as well. The earlier, the better, because kids have access to the internet these days. Kids are watching 13 Reasons Why, which include very awful scenes, not just sex scenes, but rape scenes now that nowadays too. And kids know, kids are watching this online. And if it's, if their parents have, you know, if their parents are smart and can lock their phones or give them access to certain things, not everything, they're still actually going to be able to see all of this stuff from their friend's phone or maybe their friend's computer or whatever it is. It's very easily accessible these days. And I think the types of things online are going to get to the kids before the parents or the teachers talk to them about it. So Honestly, the earlier, the better, the the earlier, the safer too, because, you know, even I've just like recently had some conversations with some of my young students 
they're only 13 and they've, you know, they've all watched 13 Reasons Why with all of like the rape scenes and the suicide and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I just couldn't even, I didn't know about any of that stuff when I was 12, 13. Like we weren't taught really about even suicide, rape, what rape even really is. Yeah. Can I add to that too, by just saying that obviously whilst all kids aren't naturally watching um, 13 Reasons Why, but the problem is the fact that it, that material like this exists and it's going to continue to exist as generations roll by. I'm not in favour of limiting the English language, but I think there certainly needs to be a place in the education of sex which discusses rape in great detail and why it's not a joking matter. And from my experience, a lot of people go out there and use it far too casually and just say, oh, I'm going to rape so-and-so. And the real consequence of that is that it loses the impact of its consequences if you just say it so commonly. Because the fact of the matter is, it is a psychologically and physically damaging action that really does ruin so many lives. And if you don't understand the full weight of that word, it becomes so trivial and that you don't appreciate what kind of culture you're talking about. So on that, you know, talking about rape and rape culture, I actually Googled the definition of that. um, And it is essentially a society or environment, right, that um, trivializes sexual assault and abuse and also normalizes it and having a look at what it means to be a woman in a male dominated society. Um, but having those conversations, um, you know, those jokes and that sort of thing normalizes that behavior. It's not okay. And also I think when people are maybe having a joke about it and having a discussion about it or saying some derogatory language about a female or whatever it might be and they're joking if the people within this group or within this circle that are listening to this joke and don't step in and are just laughing about it and don't say anything just because they're they're not the one saying the joke or just because they're not the one saying this derogatory language does not mean that they're part of the problem they are actually part of the problem for not stepping in and saying something there are always going to be important men in your life and it's important for them to jump in if they are around a group of mates and a guy has made a derogatory joke about a woman that's walked past and you're a man just because he's your best friend doesn't mean that you can just laugh it off or say nothing Mm. stand up for what's right and be like mate that's not funny don't say that shit yeah that i think that's the most important thing the good guys that aren't raping that aren't doing the sexual harassment that are the good ones they can still contribute and, and try and fix this problem with us and stand among us women and actually step in for us and help us and say like, yeah, mate, like, please, please say something like that. That's not right. Or whatever it is. I think that's got, that is what is really going to help us. Like the men that jump in and say, um, we're not, you know, we're not all the same. We're not, we, we're not bad men. We're we're not, we don't all do the same things. Um, and I a hundred percent agree. There's some amazing men out there, but step, step in for us, please step in for us and help us. It's about, course correction and the value of having more guys who stand up for the health of women are what's going to really make this 
productive and change the mindset of those around them. It's going to stop people from actually, it's going to make them pause and think about their actions, about what they're going to say and how it affects those around them. If I had a position of power and I had the opportunity to make change, I agree with what you were saying, Christina, which is that this needs to be an ongoing education, but I'd almost go further to include it, maybe not in a PE subject, but make it almost a class of its own that's taught every now and then, simply because I'd want the emphasis on it. And maybe what I'd include there is topics like STIs, give that real exposure and talk about how catching an STI can be as common as a cold. Talking more about how we were discussing before, give a full discussion on rape. Talk about what is between partners and what you need to say and open it up to the genders too. This isn't just a male and female conversation. This is a male and male and female and female conversation. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. I did not learn any of my community's ways until after school. And I think part of this process is in its own way, making this more acceptable and understood because the minute you do that, the taboo goes away, or at least you'd like to hope it does. And people stop treating sex like it's a dirty secret and that it's something that we can't discuss openly at all. We're all humans. It's part of nature. To deny it is just pointless. Agreed. I think it's also hard because with high schools, there's public education, there's private education. And on that, it's it can get touchy because then religion and culture mm. falls into it. And so, you know, how do you, how do you go about that as in within schools when you know it may be for example a catholic school um you know a catholic or boys school or whatever it be how do you then talk about sex to that class like maybe they can just be open-minded and just be more i guess aware of like this is possible like this we're not gonna not teach it just because of our beliefs but maybe we will teach it because it's, it actually is a possibility. We, we shouldn't just brush that to the side as if it might not happen. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be naive about it. Like it's going to happen. It's a natural thing that everybody does. So why completely ignore it? And then it becomes a taboo topic. In reflection with the way religious schools teach this subject or not at all, I think the importance for these schools is to consider the education in a very balanced and holistic way. And that means approaching it from the view that there is a dynamic to this outside of just reproduction. It is not a measure of self-worth to go out and be with as many people as you can. But at the same time, if you are looking to make this a part of your life, consider the consequences of that are around, like that come from it because unlike the baby jesus we are not all coming from the virgin mary <laughs> <laughs> might i add on that too um about a measure of self-worth just to as a side note i think it's really important that as an example i know i have a friend who has um gone online as you do in our generation and swipe left and swipe right and um, get swiping for validation and just to go out and have sex with people um, to validate their themselves. You know, it's that approval from other people. Um, but I think that it's important that you need to also 
you know, casual sex is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but don't use that as a measure of your own self-worth. You need to be happy within you. Whilst obviously there are a lot of people who go out there with the intention of making themselves feel better about who they are, there's also a negative attachment to a lot of that outside of the way they feel within themselves, which is the way people perceive them too. I mean, obviously there's slut shaming. What's your whole take on that? that I think just, it can be quite offensive. That just comes back to the, it really is part of rape culture and the, and the derogatory language culture, really. Yes, exactly. So for example, um, maybe this is my place to say it. For example, we as men, if we go around and we're with lots of partners, it's celebrated. Like it is what it is. Why isn't it the same for you guys? That's a good question. Why, why is it not yeah, the exactly. same? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why is it not the same? Please explain. Well, I mean, it's, it's absolutely fine. As a female, I would never, you know, th- throw around negative words about another person because she's, you know, she's having a, why is it okay for guys to do it, but it's not okay for girls. This comes down to men and women equalities, right? It comes back down to, to our equalities. It should, it, we should all be equals. And with that, with this topic as well, we sometimes are thrown into a different category um, because people uh, look at the numbers of partners someone has had uh, and which, um, yeah, it should be equal for both men and for both women. So um, depending on, I think, you know, for, for everyone's, uh, sex lives, you know, it's, it's a personal, um, it's a personal choice. It's a personal thing for people and it's really not anyone else's business to, to discuss. Exactly. Yeah. I think going back to that many generations ago, it was a thing. It was a serious consideration as a male you know, when you are looking for a partner, how many partners has she been with? You know, it was like a, it was a big issue. You know, you wouldn't want to be married to a woman who'd slept with half the village. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, and I guess that's kind of like flowed on generations and, and is still now a, a thing. And, and I think that once again, just, just comes back to stepping in when someone is just saying uh, something derogatory about someone else or, and it goes both ways as well. It's not just men um, talking about women like that, but there's also women talking about men like that too. And I think it really just comes back to being educated and, and on, how to, on how we communicate and how we step in and talk up for, for the people around us. Because if you're not stepping in and saying something when someone else is saying something awful, then you're really actually, you're, you're part of that. You're part of that situation. If you're not stepping in to... to fix that situation or help that situation, you're really part of that conversation. Mm. Can I ask you guys, who do you think has the responsibility to make this a better environment for everyone? Do you think it's the role of the teachers or do you think it's the role of parents to make sex a better action for everyone? I think it's important for everyone, for parents, for teachers, for family, friends, aunties, if, you know, uncles, friends, I think that it's important. It's an important role for everyone. How do you think people should go about doing that? So for example, we've talked a lot about how teachers could educate this better. We've talked 
briefly on how our mates should discuss sex and particularly the dialogue that happens between men and women. How would you like people to talk to you, say, from parents? I guess just not ignoring the fact that it happens. Like, don't ignore the fact that your child is going to have sex. And basically saying, don't do it, is not going to help. Or making it a negative thing Mm. is not going to help either. Because it's not a negative thing, you know, then it, then it becomes a, a hidden issue and it, there's shame and that's not okay either. That's a really, that's a very big thing, actually. I think that's, that's one of the biggest problems when growing up. Sometimes people, yeah, whether it's, I don't know, teachers or parents or other friends, parents or religious beliefs and things like that, it can be talked about as, as a negative thing. And, and like exactly what you said, Christina, with feeling shame and, and that kind of thing is, should, should be, I mean, it's 2019. We should be speaking more open about it. And like you said, Ken too, that it's part, it's a part of human nature. It's, it's what, what we do. It's what we, what we enjoy. And it's what we do to, you know, create other human beings and having being taught as a child. I know that I've had, I actually have some friends who have very religious parents And they tried to stop, you know, they tried to stop him from having sex. He had a girlfriend and they didn't let them stay at each other's houses. And it's like, well, actually like, you know, they're 18, 19, they're going to, they're going to, you know, do it in their car. They're going to find a park. They're going to wherever they, you know, they're going to make it happen. The fact that, you know, you're not allowing them to, to stay at each other's houses, people are going to find a way to have sex if, if their parents are saying to them, you know, it's a negative thing, you're not allowed to have sex before you're married and, and things like that, which obviously, once again, each to their own, I'm not, I'm, ne- I'm never going to talk negatively about religious beliefs or beliefs that other, other people have. It's completely fair enough, each to their own. But with that being said, watching my friend go through this with his religious parents, <laughs> you just can't stop it. <laughs> like you can't stop mm. it from, from happening. You can't, you can't put rules on human nature. Yeah. You can define what will happen, but the minute you try to stop what we were built for, then you're essentially going to cause a situation where we're going to end up finding ways around those rules. And it can be to the detriment of those that we're with too. Yeah. God's sake, guys, it's, it's, you know, the 21st century, like just celebrate it and talk about it and support each other and Hmm. Have a good time, but be smart. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said. Very well said. And on that note, I think we'd like to wrap this up. With regards to, say, the top thing that we would like to share with our listeners from today's episode, Christina, do you want to start by sharing what you think the most important takeaway from sex education should be? It comes down to communication. Very good. Alyssa, what would you think is the key takeaway? No, I think, I think Christina summed it up pretty well and it's really just about being open and, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a more enjoyable way for everyone, but it's also a, a more healthy, healthy way for everyone and making sure that people are enjoying having sex, but also are looking out for their wellness too at the same time. Mm-hmm. So go have sex, guys. Enjoy. Be safe. And I'd like to end my contribution by saying it's just like what salt and pepper were trying to teach us. <laughs> 
Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you, you and me. me. Let's talk about all the good things. <laughs> I don't even know the lyrics. And the bad things. <laughs> but all the good things. So, yeah, that is basically a wrap for our guest speaker. Christina, thank you very much for talking about S-E-X. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, that was really good having Christina on board to help discuss this topic with us. That was so great. It's it's always nice to get wide perspective from other people within our era. And uh, yes, that's circa two thousand and twenty group. <laughs> twenty twenty vision. It's it's coming right at us. Hey, I know. So while we could go deep and talk about the more serious consequences and offences that a woman's body can endure, or even the medical concerns that arise in both men and women in sexual relationships. We really are just here to offer some main points and digestible information for you guys on the topic of rape and educating people surrounding these more serious issues. It just enables us to better understand and to better communicate as well as using the correct verbiage around these terms to be more respectful as consenting adults, which brings us back to better communication, you know, which we personally believe can be better sold through better education and earlier education in particular. So what now, Ken? Yes, what now? Well, we've talked about dating. We've talked about sex. We're now going to talk about relationships in our next episode. And that's going to be covering the idea about concepts regarding relationships, what it means to step into a long-term commitment, what the different kinds of relationships might be, and whether or not we're even ready for them yet, depending on the stage of life that we're in. And as always, you guys can catch us on our SoundCloud account. We are very proud to announce that we've now expanded onto iTunes. Woohoo! Podcast. Yes, it's party time in the house. <laughs> we'll also be providing the links for those in our descriptions on Facebook, Instagram, and on our episode in YouTube. So as always, like and subscribe. And if you guys want to comment and reply to any of the content that we talked about on today's episode, Please feel free to reply to us. us. I mean, email us. Oh, sext us. Sext us away. (laughs) Sext away to whatnowpod at gmail.com. And we will be sure to get back to all of you people ASAP so we can continue this discussion. But as for now, I think, Alyssa, what's your plan for the rest of the evening? Let's go have some great sex. (laughs) I agree. Let's just go get it on. (laughs) All right. Enjoy your night, guys. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.